0: So here's kind of where this came from to some extent, even for you guys. Last weekend, uh, the shepherds kind of went away for a few days, and what we do during that time is we we pray for this ministry, we pray for all of you, um, we, we talk about what's going on, the areas where, honestly, we can get better as a ministry, the areas that are going really well, and we talk about uh, strategizing for the year. What are the things that we want to do this year, what ways do we want to... Uh, bless our students and prepare best for that. And so uh, these guys and the the guys you met earlier, uh, we were all a part of that together. And part of what we want to do is come back and share a little bit of our heart with you. Um, I think it's helpful for you to know and understand from the people leading you what the direction is in which we want to go and why it is that we do ministry the way that we do. So I've asked these guys to come up and share uh, this morning. And before I do any questions about ministry, I'd love for you to get to know them a little bit. So I'm gonna open it up to them in a second here. Uh, why don't you guys share your name one more time, and then um, give them a little bit of your your story. Maybe give them your your testimony as briefly as you as you can. Um, what brought you all the way out here to California? Uh, how did you end up in 180 Ministry Seminary, um, and how has the Lord worked in your life to know Christ as Savior? So let's just start right here with Luke.
1: Yeah, my name is Luke. I'm at that's good at North Bible Study. Um, I came out to California about four years ago. Um, I was uh, at a Bible college in Florida, um, and God was working in my heart to, to leave that college and come to a different one to receive training. I had been pursuing pastoral ministry, even at that time. Um, and so in 2019, I came out to California to attend the master's uh, university uh, and did my last couple of years there, um, whereas I met my wife and uh, made a lot of good friends um, Two years ago, I started at the Master's Seminary, um, and that's where I've been for the last couple of years. This is my third year at the seminary, and um, just a little bit about my story and what brought me here was, you know, I grew up in a, in a Christian home like many of you did, and um, from a young age, I felt the, the calling and the desire to be in pastoral ministry, and yet for a long time, I, I ignored it. I wanted to go a different direction with my life. I wanted to to play professional sports, as outlandish as that seems, really? I was obviously a, a misled child. But yeah. you know, um, I, I'm only five foot ten. So what are you going to do,
0: like water polo or actually, I was going to do uh, fris- frisbee golf. Frisbee, was, frisbee golf Ultimate was the one fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: no, but uh, but it was my senior year of high school that God got a hold of my heart and changed all my desires. Um, I wouldn't say that that was when I was saved. I think I was saved when I was younger, but it was at least a change of direction in my life mm. where I finally said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And um, that was about seven years ago, and I've been pursuing pastoral
2: ministry awesome. for the past seven years. So Wonderful. Yeah. We're glad to have you, Luke. Uh, my name is David. I grew up in Virginia. I attended the University of Virginia, and mm. I studied uh, psychology. I was very interested in mental health. So for the longest time, a lot of my professors, they pointed me in the direction of clinical psychologists. psychology. They thought I'd make a good therapist. And so after, gradu- balcony, my <laughs> fun. after graduating from the University of Virginia, I I, uh, I I went to abroad to the U.K., and I was uh, studying graduate school. The end goal was to go into psychiatry, into clinical psychology, something like that. Uh, but while I was in London, I remember... Uh, I attended this very small Baptist church called Twine Home Baptist Church, and there was maybe like 30 or 40 people there. Uh, the university that I was attending very prestigious, a lot of high, ex- excellent students there. You know, very achievement oriented. At this, at this church, you know, the people were not impressive. They were not, you know, very excellent people by any worldly metric. Uh, they were just normal people. You know. Older people, a lot of older people. I was like the one 22 year old, something there. So they gave me a lot of opportunities. I led some services, preached a few times, uh, and they just threw me into everything. I did some evangelism. I joined the elderly ministry, did some children ministry, just a bunch of different things. And then I think the thing that was most uh, poignant to me was on Thursday nights, we would meet at the pastor's house. And there, uh, the pastor was going through the Gospel of John, and we were just going through the passage, just asking questions of the text. And I remember, like, there was maybe like five or six people that would go to these on a a weekly basis. And the joy that I saw in that room was just incredible. Like, the the joy and the love that the people had for each other was so drastically different from what I saw amongst the students at the university. There, everybody was, like, stepping on each other's toes. They were trying to be better than each other. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of envy. There was a lot of dissatisfaction. This perpetual discontentment and there was no joy. And then we'd go out on the weekends, they'd be complaining about the professors, complaining about other students, there'd be a lot of crying and a lot of drama. And then I'd go to this Bible study on Thursday night, and there's joy, and there's happiness, and we're just going through the Gospel of John. And so when I saw that drastic difference between these two environments, I thought to myself, if I could help facilitate more of this kind of thing, I would be a very happy man. And so you know, after that year was over, I came across. I actually came across Pastor John when I was in undergrad. Uh, I was very much steeped in the charismatic movement. I was speaking in tongues, or so I thought. I was falling backwards. I was seeing. Can you visions show and us really quick? Wait, I'm just. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never. I, I think it was. I, I think I remember. I was like on the weekends. I was getting drunk. I was smoking weed. I was going out with the friends. Like doing all this stuff that I shouldn't be doing all throughout high school and college. Not sorry, not high school. College. All throughout college. Uh, Even during that time, I was like, just had no. I had. I was part of a college ministry, but I was going there on Monday nights. But then, still living Mm -hmm. really wicked life on the weekends. And it was fourth year. I came back. We were at a party, and I remember thinking, "This is utterly vacuous. I'm just going to go home." So I go home early. I'm laying on my bed, and I, I look up YouTube, and I'm just going through YouTube, and I see Strange Fire Conference, and the word Strange Fire stuck out to me. And it was Pastor John. This is the first time I heard him preach. And I remember being so mesmerized by how, how convicted he was when he was preaching the Bible. He was preaching so clearly, so systematically. His love for the truth, love for Christ was so obvious. And when I just saw that, it was just slowly unraveling my distorted theology and distorted worldview. And everything was reshaping during that fourth year. So that was, that was beginning to happen before I went to London the following year. And then serving in this church... I just saw that there's much more to ministry than just preaching in the front. There's so much. There's discipling. There's counseling. There's evangelism. Uh, There's so much that goes behind the scenes, and I just loved it. And so after that one year, I just found myself being less interested in pursuing clinical psychology and then more interested in pursuing ministry. And Mm -hmm. I even came across Pastor John's view on psychology and so on and so forth. So I ended up at the Master's Seminary, and that was fall of 2019, and I've been there ever since. It's my last semester, so really thankful to the Lord for how He's drawn me here. I would have never thought it would happen that way, but here we are. So, uh,
3: well, my name is Caden. Um, I, the Lord saved me. I think about my freshman year of high school. Actually, I, I grew up with believing parents, believing family, and uh, grew up believing the Bible was true, believing uh, that God was real and that. Uh, that we should try to live a Christian life to obey him. I just didn't love to do that. I did it, but I didn't love it uh, because I just thought it was something that you do as a Christian. Um, But when I was in high school, my family started attending this church in Wyoming where the, the pastor did a really excellent job of just preaching scripture expositionally with conviction. And he was preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And I remember really... Uh, for the first time, having exposure to the idea that you can think you're a Christian and not be one. Uh, In the end of Matthew Mm -hmm. 7, Jesus says that not everyone who calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things for you? Like, didn't we live in this way? Didn't we Mm -hmm. even cast out demons and uh, do signs and miracles and stuff like that? And Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You're actually practicing lawlessness. That was sort of Mm -hmm. the first time that I realized you can think that you're a Christian and be doing all the right things uh, and actually not truly love the Lord from your heart. Mm. And eventually through the preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord exposed my heart that I actually, I believe that I was a good person and he showed me through that that I'm actually a wicked person and I need someone else's righteousness to save me. It showed me, more the beauty of who Christ is and that I needed his righteousness, I needed his atoning death to be saved. And I didn't really realize it in those uh, precise terms when I actually got saved, but I did know that the Lord had totally changed my desires from doing all these things and not really caring to all of a sudden Christ is is my chief love and joy and I can't wait to go to church next time to learn more about him. And that was just a very definite change, not necessarily in the externals of my life, but in my desires. Mm. Um, so this is during high school for me. The pastor of that church asked me where I wanted to go to college. And I was worried that if I went to a secular school, I would lose my faith. But it wasn't super smart in terms of theology. You just thought, like, I need to be somewhere where I can learn more about the Bible. And so I said, I want to go to a Christian college. He told me the only college that he would recommend to me with a good conscience was master's. And I trusted him so much because I got saved under his ministry. I went, that's the only college I want to go to. Uh, And so (laughs) the Lord was really kind. He brought me to master's and I I was doing a marketing degree there um, because I didn't know really what I wanted to do when I graduated, but thought this would equip me well, some business skills, marketing skills, people skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you ran into Hebrew. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) No, the Bible classes just like kind of took over my mind. I was so amazed at what I was learning there from scripture. And I thought, I only have four years here. How am I going to, how, like, I I can't get enough of what I'm learning from scripture. And I reasoned, well, if I want to keep learning this, then I pretty much have to learn to do what the professors are doing so that I can keep learning my whole life. That's where Hebrew came into it. Because I was like, they're using Hebrew to, to learn more theology from the Old Testament, which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, and so I thought, I have to learn this. I'm going to keep doing my marketing degree, but I have to learn these languages and learn how to interpret the Bible so that I can keep learning it and hopefully help others later on too. So that's why I wanted to come to seminary too after college. I, I never had the idea of being a pastor or anything like that. I just wanted to know the Bible better if mm-hmm. perhaps the Lord would use that to help me help other people also understand the, the Bible better, even if it was just like in a small group or something or in a Bible study where I could just teach other people what I was learning. And the Lord has been super faithful to uh, teach me so many of those things in Scripture and such a blessing to be involved in high school ministry uh, and be able to really uh, do just that. Study Scripture, learn it better, and then come into a a Bible study and get to share with others how awesome Scripture is, how awesome Christ is, and uh, yeah, it's just such a joy. And the Lord has just providentially orchestrated all of that, and I would have never planned it. So it's really cool to see how he's worked in my life that way, so thankful to be here with all of you guys. Awesome.
4: Cool. Uh, my name is Ben. Uh, the Lord saved me maybe when I was 12 or 13. Uh, I was, I grew up in a Christian home. Was a and pretty at 12
0: or 13, you were about as tall as I am now.
4: Y- yeah. Okay. Well, that was, that was 10 or 11. But okay. Yeah.
0: Shoot. Let's all put our feet dangling over the seat and see where they
3: land. <laughs> guys. So
0: unbelievable uh just been marveling at your foot resting on the stage the entire time going like i can do that too
4: (laughs) anyway when i was (laughs) when i was a wee little lad uh at 12 or 13 (laughs) uh the lord saved me i grew up in a christian home i was a pretty good kid never got into any of the bad sins was just pretty prideful didn't Always obey my parents, but i was I was not considered a problem child. I was a pretty good kid and then uh saw my need of a savior under preaching at my home church. It was a solid church the pastor was real faithful there uh and I prayed for the Lord to forgive me my sins uh and I thought it was some kind of formula in the sense that uh you have to I- admit your sin, believe that Jesus died on the cross, and then ask him to forgive you if you can do those three things like you're saved uh and I did those three things. And I thought I was saved, and I may have been saved, uh, but like how did I know that? And I would go on praying that prayer, I don't know hundreds of times, maybe a thousand times over that year and a half, maybe, uh, and the fault in my theology was uh I thought that I had to mean it perfectly, like my heart had to be a hundred percent sincere, and if it was only ninety eight percent sincere, then I probably wasn't saved. Or if I forgot about some of the sins I had done, maybe He didn't forgive those because I wasn't really remorseful over those sins, uh, or I didn't know all about what it meant for Christ to be Savior. And eventually, I came to realize that like, uh, what saves you is Christ and His work, and even an imperfect faith in Him is able to save you because He is the Savior. And if you just if you know you're a sinner and you turn to Christ looking for salvation, uh, you are saved because He is a Savior and He delights to save those. Who come to him so that kind of fixed that maybe assurance issue talked about that summit camp that assurance issue was like 12 or 13 that's what i that was the struggle i had uh eventually uh ended up going to college on a volleyball scholarship in cincinnati of all places i uh, went to a liberal christian school didn't care about that because i wanted to be a history teacher and they were going to pay for my school uh and over the course there of the semester or two, I got in some liberal classes that taught me things I didn't know, uh, things such as that God is actually a woman, uh, that the thank you for sharing uh, the flood scene was written from a mountaintop. It was just a flood around the top of the mountain. That Jesus came to fix all the political issues. Uh, all that stuff is not true, by the way. But I did hear that stuff taught, uh, and. During that time, I'm seeing all these people led astray, and I'm at a little church of like 30 people, and they're actually teaching the gospel there. Mm. And when I go to church, I hear things I wouldn't hear at all at this Christian school, because they didn't teach the gospel. They taught all these social issues and why the Bible wasn't actually true. Uh, and it just laid on my heart that I want to go serve the church. Eventually, got brought out to master's uh, after I transferred an undergrad, did a Bible degree, then came out to TMS for seminary. Uh, the cool thing there that uh, drew me and why I'm here, in a sense, is the church and seminary connected. The best place to learn how to be a pastor is in a place where you're doing church ministry and seminary ministry, and that's why I joined 180. That's why I love it here, because I was able to learn in the classroom while also getting to learn uh, under some really wise men here and getting to teach uh, some of you who are just a few years behind where I am.
0: Awesome. Well, obviously, the Lord has brought to us guys from very different backgrounds, and we're so grateful for that. And all of these guys are being used mightily by God in our ministry. In an effort to get to know you guys better, I want to ask a very important question that has come to me several times now. Um, These people want to know what your favorite fast food restaurant is and why. So I'm going to let you share that very quickly here. Ben, let's start with you. I know you've thought this through a million times. So what is it? And then also tell us what you get when you go there.
4: I'm an experienced taste tester in the fast food industry. Wow. Um,
0: so DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh,
4: I, in and out, because I didn't get to experience that for the first 22 years of my life. So mm. it's a three-year-old thing for me. I've gotten all those other fast food joints back home. So this okay. is new, and it's awesome. Give me a double-double. No lettuce, no tomato, no onion, and no a fry. Oh,
0: my goodness. <laughs> but, <laughs> you, you got claps. That was that was Ezra and Nemo clapping for you. Uh, okay, in and out with a plain cheeseburger. Pl- plain double double, basically.
4: A double double. I want the cheese, and I want the patty, and I want the spread, and a regular bun. None of that veggie stuff. Oh, okay. And not perfect. the wrapped. And not the wrapped in lettuce. Hey, I don't want that either.
0: Hey, perfect. So let's go to Caden. Caden. <laughs> What's your favorite fast food sometimes, restaurant? And what so, do you order there?
3: Sometimes I ask for Ben's veggies, and I just add them onto my sandwich because <laughs> he won't eat them, but I love them. So. Yeah, we save so yeah. much on lunches
0: because I just make we, Ben order the normal burger, and then we take the vegetables and give it to Kaden. <laughs> no,
3: um, my my favorite fast food place is Chipotle um, mm. because there's a few <laughs> there's a few reasons. <laughs> Uh, one, one reason is I, it's, like, the healthiest food that I can get for a relatively low price. And it's also, I'm convinced, if you do it right, you can get the most food for the amount of money that you're paying. So you can get an in and out meal for cheaper than you can get a Chipotle meal. But you can get way more food from Chipotle if you were to, like, balance out how, like, a certain amount of food costs. Anyway, so I like that because it's super healthy. It tastes great. I could eat Chipotle every day. If I had to pick one restaurant uh, to eat for the rest of my life, maybe it's Chipotle. I don't know. I might get tired of it. Probably not, though.
0: Uh, the other day, we, came, we got together to talk about doing this, and David said that he finally learned that it's actually the burrito at Chipotle that fills you up. Like, he never, nothing has ever filled them up before, which even I was kind of like, that bowl is huge. But Caden went on a 40 minute sermon about how he doesn't even eat meat and he's still more full when he's Chipotle than David is. And it was probably the greatest roast session I've ever seen Caden do. Because it's not him,
2: but it was him in the moment. So thank you, Caden. Chipotle for the win. Two disclaimers. This is gonna be, this is, I grew up eating this and I don't eat it as often anymore. Uh, I've repented. But then I also worked here, so that's part of the reason too. But I like Kentucky fried chicken. And what I get there, Just so <laughs> out of left field, <laughs>
4: otherwise known as KFC, KFC,
2: <laughs> you know, Josh got a big kick out of that. I, he would, I mean, not, I he would not let that go for years. It's it is incredible. <laughs> I would never have envisioned you like that being your spot. But talk about it. Yeah. What I what I like to get there is the uh, two piece meal. So I like a thigh. I need my leg. I need my my biscuit. And I love the fries. And then I love the hot sauce. And it has to be original. It can't be crispy. But the hot sauce at KFC is just amazing, so so good.
0: <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to you right now. The, it's the, awesome, though.
2: The best part is the skin. Uh, it really is. Just the the fried way skin, you said it, it's just so good. <laughs> it's like salty, All right, it's Luke. tender.
0: Let's hear from you, Luke. Please
1: help us. Well, I'm I'm on the edge of between two of glory, and I'm holding on a moment with you. Yeah. Um, So I'm tempted to say Chipotle because I do love Chipotle. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm going to take a a note from Ben because I came from the East Coast too where we don't have nearly as many burger joints as you have out here. Yeah, sure. Like when I was back home in Virginia, I'd go to Wendy's to get a burger. KFC? Oh, right. Maybe even KFC to get a burger. Right. Right. There's just not a lot. So I've loved ever since I came out to California. There's so many different places you can get a burger. Habit is one that's really good. But the one that I love the most it's not the biggest. No. Br- not the biggest. No, no, no. It's, it's like farmer, the David. It's Farmer Boys. Farmer you, anybody Boys. Anybody guys know about Farmer Boys? Fa- I got, got a couple claps. I yeah, got here. some it's love. Not, you got some love. It's not right a here. big chain, a but their burgers are amazing.
0: Like it's like a, a silent praise. He just went yeah. like this.
1: So when I go to Farmer Boys, I get their bacon cheeseburger.
0: Bacon cheeseburger.
1: And it's the best. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Simple enough. That's it. We've now
0: opened up the conversation to all of them as to what their favorite fast food places we have uh, okay so now you know a little bit more about your shepherds and now you know whenever you need something from them what to buy them and what they what they're expecting so just remember cadence is a no chicken no steak kind of situation um uh, let's really let's really back in real quick um now that they've gotten to know you guys a little bit both in silliness but also in how the lord's worked to bring you here i'd love for them to hear about your heart for our ministry so you guys, I mean, and seminarians especially, when they come here, there's a, a million different ways that they can serve at our church, and you guys chose to not only come to high school ministry, but you guys have all stuck it out for several years now. So I'd love to hear from you guys, why did you value coming to 180 so much? Why was this so important to you, and why does it matter to you so much to be a
2: part of a ministry like this one? Whoever wants to start. I can start because I came here like five years ago, September 2019, and it was funny because even before I started in seminary, I remember at orientation, actually in this room, I was standing in front of Josh Petras, and I had no idea this guy was the high school pastor, and we were just talking, you know, talking, having a good time, and then afterwards he just tells me he's the high school pastor. I'm like, okay, that's great. At that time, I was taking Steve Lawson's Fundamental of Expository Preaching class. I go to that class, and towards the end of that week, it was only a one-week class before seminary really starts. And towards the end of that week, Steve Lawson was like, similar to what Ben was saying, don't be that guy who just does, you know, seminary classes but doesn't do ministry in conjunction with seminary. And so then he recommended two ministries. He recommended Crossroads. And then he also recommended 180. And mm-hmm. as soon as he said 180, I was like, oh, Josh Petrus, I, met, I just met this guy like two days ago. So I emailed him in the middle of class. And then we met outside of Grace whoa, whoa, Walk. Whoa. What's up? I, you never told me that you emailed during my class.
0: I mean, David, I would have taken points
2: away. <laughs> okay, continue. He, 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 he accepted me basically right on the spot, and I joined high school ministry before even seminary really started. Hmm. And so it's been a joy to be a part of this ministry for that long. I think the reason why high school, though, is I think they're young enough and old enough to ask those questions, but they're hmm. also so teachable. So I find, especially the guys in my small group, they're very teachable, they're very humble, but they're also young enough and like, smart enough to like, ask really good questions. And so I really like that, that we're not just hearing a sermon, we're not just talking about a passage, but then they're asking critical questions of the text. And I just really loved doing that with these students. And I think after being there for years, I saw some of them even be converted. There's one guy in my small group, I saw him go from death to life. I saw him rise from spiritual death be saved under the preaching, and it was just so amazing Mm. to see at least one guy in my small group was saved from the ministry that I was doing there. And I know it's God's, God gets all the glory for that, but there are tons of people who will spend their whole lives doing ministry, not seeing any fruit, and I thought it was so kind of God to let me Mm. see at least one person actually be genuinely born again Mm. under my watch, and I thought that was amazing. So since then, I've just been here in the ministry, loving the relationships, and just trying to deepen them as time goes on yeah i uh, I got to join
3: 180. I had tried it out um, when I was in in college the my last year of TMU uh, and I tried it out for a little bit and ended up not being able to keep up with it because I just had a super busy um, college schedule that year but I knew so I w- I grew a ton in terms of my knowledge of scripture and understanding of how to please the Lord in college. And there's actually a good bit of college where I didn't even understand the importance like of what church was supposed to be. Uh, or I, I had some people that would ask me like, oh, how do you serve at church? And I, that was a question that confused me because I was like, oh, man, they're just expecting that I serve at church somehow. Um, and so through stuff like that and through the teaching at Masters, I started realizing, realize, oh, yeah, like if you love Christ, you should also love his church and not just go to, uh, to be edified yourself, but to serve others. And so in college, I was like, I got to look for a way to serve. And usually, I mean, the church is always in need of people serving in all different capacities. The ones that stood out to me the most were junior high and high school. And so I I started uh, serving in high school a little bit. Uh, But it was my last year, and I didn't think I was going to be able to stick around for very long. So uh, I didn't really anchor myself here. Um, But I wanted to come back for seminary. And the Lord eventually provided that, and I had told Josh Petrus like, "Hey, if I come back for seminary, I'd love to try to jump back into it." And I didn't remember that, but he remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> when I came when I came back for seminary, he was like, "Hey, uh, so what do you think about like you said you wanted to come back and do that?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, you guys need help. Like like I'll jump in." Uh, and so I I got involved with it again. And what I've found to be so valuable um, is. When I was saved in high school, I'm in Wyoming. It's the least populous state. Our church was a small church plant. There were like no other kids my age there. And so I was going through high school just wishing for ways that I could learn more about the Lord. And I got like, praise the Lord, I got Sunday mornings and like a and like a Wednesday night adult Bible study that I would go to with my parents, but I didn't have something like this that was like tailored to how can a how can a young person learn to honor the Lord well. So I know a lot of staff join high school because it was so influential uh, in their lives. I kind of come from sort of the opposite side where I didn't have what you guys get. Um, And so I see like, wow, like if I could have been learning what you guys get to hear in 180, I would have been so thankful for that. So I'm just so joyful that I get to contribute in that because it's really cool to be in your position and to be able to get so much biblical truth uh, at the stage of life that you're in. It really gives you an advantage over what I had. Hmm.
4: Uh th- I joined I came to here the second week you were open after COVID. I moved here from Pennsylvania. So there were only like two ministries even going on at that point. So yeah. met Luke Abendroth, long story short, I joined. Uh and then I just started giving myself and I started meeting the people in the ministry and I started falling in love with uh the people in the ministry. Oh, so yeah. oh. and uh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> you could I, say that. I'm,
0: I, I'm sorry, I'm I still mean, falling in love he's, with
4: he's, someone in the ministry. So Hey, uh, yeah, I got married in four weeks. Yeah. Let's go. yeah,
0: you do. Talk about a guy doing a 180. Uh,
4: and Anyway, uh, that's how I started. Uh, what I love about the ministry is it's a unique spot uh, for a young person, yeah. uh, like even all four of us here, uh, that we are training for seminary and wanting to be pastors, but it's a place where young people have a chance to pour into people that are younger than them. In an adult fellowship group, we're at the very youngest end of the scale. But it's also a place uh, where we have older people pouring into us. And the Christian faith is something that's passed down from generation to generation. Uh, so th- there are older people in this ministry that have helped pass it down to me. And there are, I have the opportunity to help pass it down uh, to you guys. And one day, hopefully, you do that to the next generation. It's a unique sweet spot for a young person to serve because you're both getting poured into and you're also able to pour out into you students, and it's it's one of the joys.
0: Luke, maybe I can flip the question from, obviously, you guys all joined 180 and been a part of it for several reasons, but our students, and we talked about this even Wednesday night a little bit, they're getting back into school, into a normal flow and rhythm of whether it's academics and sports or extracurricular activities and hangouts and friends. Um, and ministry is very consistent, but sometimes we don't think of it that way or even for students it's hard to think of it that way so why 180 for them so we know why you guys kind of came in and we're grateful for you guys and we know how much love you have for it but why is 180 so important for a high school student
1: yeah that's a great question um I know for me personally when I had a similar testimony to Caden whereas my time at TMU was so important um you guys in high school you've got a leg up on every college student because you're younger and you've got more time um and what you get in a, a Wednesday night Bible study is you get um, personal discipleship. You guys get people who care about you, who love you, who want to see you grow in Christ um, and are giving sacrificially. All your all your small group leaders, they don't get paid. We don't get paid. We, we love to do this because we want to serve you, because we recognize the value of it, uh, of it pouring our lives and pouring the, the, the scriptures into your hearts and your minds. Um, and so, to be a part of high school ministry and to be a part of a, a Wednesday night Bible study, is probably one of the greatest things you could possibly do for your spiritual growth. To be underneath the tutelage and, and the um, discipleship and the mentorship of someone who is just a, a little bit down the road from you, um, someone who, who's been through a little bit more of life and who has studied the Bible a little bit more than you, um, having that resource, you know, I think there's a statistic that says if someone has, if a high school student has one person, just one person. Um, that's discipling or mentor them, they're 10 times more likely to stay in the church after they go off to college. And what you have in high school ministry is you have not just one, but you have many people pouring into you and desiring that you would live a a godly and Christ-like life from now until forever. And so I think that's the biggest plug for high school ministry is this is setting you up for the rest of your life. Hmm. Yeah, That's good. David,
0: when we talked about this, you you brought up very quickly the importance of friendships. And I I wanted you to be able to explain that a bit to our students. So talk about why 180 is relevant. Obviously, there's the the spiritual growth component. And I think Luke's spot on on this. I've said this before, and I think I've actually mentioned it sometimes more in like the dating, marriage talks that we've done, whether it's at camp or here. Um, When we talk about that concept, who you are now is who you will be then. But that's true in many facets of life, and so the kind of church person, the church man or church woman that you are today, that's also going to follow you. If this is all just a game and all just something you get to go to and you can't wait to get out of here, I don't expect you to take the church seriously later. Now, I'm praying that the Lord will work in your heart to do that, but what you do and how you think of church now, it really does impact the kind of church member you'll be as you grow and, and David, you kind of highlighted that in light of the relationships that we foster here. So why don't you talk about that? Briefly? Yeah, I,
2: I met with one of my students who I was discipling over the summer, and he is one of the most brilliant people I've, I've ever met. As a high schooler, he, is, he just engages with the text at a level that's just extraordinary. Uh, his understanding is just far deeper than most other students. Uh, and yet he was lamenting to me over the summer towards the end of our discipleship time, that he has no real friendships that he is carrying along into college from high school. And I thought that was rather sad because, uh, you know, the whole reason we have this high school group, we would, of course, encourage you to go to main service. This is not church. But the whole reason why we have this special time for just the high school students to gather is you have one another and you can form those relationships. Uh, evidently, my friend, he didn't really have that perspective being in 180, And it was only after he graduated he wishes that he was more intentional in building those friendships. And so it was was Austin Duncan's friendship series at winter camp that really really hit this hit home for him uh, to really be intentional in building those friendships. So while you're in 180, and it is possible to be in 180 and not be intentional in forming those friendships, so my great advice and encouragement is just to be intentional about who are those people that you're with who you trust, who you want to invest in. Keep investing in those relationships because they will carry along into college. And you'll, you'll want them because you'll face various trials and hardships in life. You'll face yeah. joys. And it's wonderful to be able to share those things with somebody who shares the same phase of life as you do. And so that's one of the reasons I really like 180 as a ministry here at this church. It's evangelistic, of course. It's not deterring from the main service, but it's giving you guys a good environment to be around people your age, so you can form those friendships that will last, hopefully, for a lifetime.
0: That's great, Caden uh, and Ben. As we kind of close here, why don't um, why don't you guys share a little bit about this? So, David mentioned this. Part of this ministry is the friendships and relationships we get to build. A huge part of this ministry is evangelizing, and I don't just mean what we do on a Sunday morning, trying to get some of you to believe, but also your work. Uh, abroad, like when you go to school or when you're with your friends or with your team, whatever it might be. So talk about the balance of that. How can they, um, as faithful members of our ministry, kind of continue to pour into others and what role do they have in that and how can they
3: do that best? Yeah, I, I thought of um, Ephesians 4, which talks about the gifts that the Lord gives to the church in certain people uh, and that he's giving evangelists and Bible teachers for the equipping to equip the saints for the work of ministry. so part of part of 180 we have uh, Bible teachers who teach you scripture and part of their role is to equip you for ministry mm-hmm. right so all of you should as Christians be serving in the church as well sort of like what I was talking about earlier and a way to have the sort of encouragement and accountability And teaching that you need in order to be effective in that as just a Christian in your life, as you go to school uh, and interact with other unbelievers and things like that, um, you need to learn more about, about Christ and about the gospel. You need to be encouraged in your faith and encouraged to serve him by evangelizing your unbelieving friends. And one of the ways that you can do that is by coming to Bible study and being equipped in those ways. Uh, and so I think one mm-hmm. of the biggest things I would say is just have that mindset, like try to be there for the purpose of learning so that you can be more useful as you serve the Lord in your lives. And, mm-hmm. and it's something to make a priority of in your life because of that purpose. You can serve the Lord better. The more you're being equipped by others who know scripture, who know you, who can disciple you and encourage you and help you to do that. So I think that's really yep. what I understand the way that the Lord has built his church to bring that encouragement and that structure and that equipping so that you can serve both in his church and in evangelism outside of the church. Ben, anything to add?
4: Cool. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's spot on there with that you're being equipped to evangelize. And it's, for me, at your age and going through college a little bit, uh, I thought the biggest issue is that, is that they don't know what's true. And that's part of evangelism. And you have to have the gospel message in evangelism for it to work. But as, as David was saying, when he was in school, he saw uh, the difference between his schoolmates and this church that has joy and love for one another. Uh, and it makes me think of John 13. John 13, 34, and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then verse 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And as I've been learning uh, in my own walk with the Lord and my own knowledge of Scripture, like one of the key ways that you can be an evangelist uh, is by telling them the gospel message, but by also in your life demonstrating uh, an extraordinary love and care and genuine interest in other people. And that's both among the people at your Bible study, and that's especially among your unbelieving friends at school. Uh, When you invite someone to Bible study uh, and they've observed in your life that you have a care and a compassion and an interest in other people uh, that is deep and genuine, they will wonder and they will see that something's different and there's something good there. Uh, Conversely, if all you do is blast them with the gospel message, while that is loving, if you do it in a heart that doesn't care for them and isn't interested in them except that they get that right, uh, you, you're not really doing them any favors. In fact, you're probably turning them off from the gospel yeah. uh, by the way you present that. So as I'm thinking like evangelism, one of the things uh, I'd encourage you is like, as you go and learn, let the Lord transform your hearts so that you have a genuine love uh, and care for the lost.
0: Yeah, and I would just close our time with this. We, we don't expect anything out of you guys that we don't expect from ourselves. And so we hope that as you go to Bible study this semester and as you're a part of our ministry for the semester, That when we call you to tell others about the gospel and to be clear about the gospel message, um, we pray that we're doing the same for you. And when we tell you to go out with the gospel message, but also with the love of Christ, that you're able to experience that from these guys here, but also the other leaders in your ministry. We're always seeking to model that for you. Um, And that because in many ways, the same way Paul encourages Timothy, we recognize that your youthfulness isn't something where uh, you just have to sit here and learn. We really do expect you to go as Christians and make more disciples and to be salt and light in the world and so, but we 'll set that expectation as we continue to help shepherd you and be examples for you. so we love you guys very deeply and that 's why we had these guys share with you today. Let me pray for us, and then we 'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for this morning, thank you for this time together, and thank you for the many shepherds in our ministry so grateful for all of them. Uh, thank you for these guys up here our our guys who have been uh, predominantly teaching in this this ministry, and thank you that they get an opportunity now to share their love for these students as well. Uh, Thank you also for uh, Tim and Larry and Matt and Angel, and uh, thank you for their deep investment in our staff and in our students and just the great care that you've provided for 180. We have so many great men and women who care deeply for the students here, and I'm so grateful for that. Help us to have a great year together and help us to do that in honor of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.